But uh, we're starting a new seven-week series today called Culture of Christ. And in this series, there are seven topics that we're going to cover. Love, generosity, presence, discipleship, obedience, power, and salvation. And in these seven topics, we're going to look at how Jesus walked out these things and then how we're called to walk out these things. John 13, 12 through 17 says this, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? The literal translation of that is, do you understand what I have just authored in you? Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, though I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Church, it's completely safe to read this passage as this. If I then, your Lord and Savior, have blank, then you also ought to blank. We follow the example of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did something, we want to do it. The next verse, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than a master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, Blessed are you if you do them. It's not enough to know them. It's not enough to know them. We got to know what Jesus did. We got to know what Jesus has called us to do. And then we've got to do them. You guys, Jesus has authored some truly amazing things in each and every one of us. And he has set an example for us. And the story that he has authored inside of us is not, is not complete until we walk it out. He's already written it. We just got to come to agreement with it and we've got to walk it out. We can't just be hearers of the word. We've got to be doers. We must follow his example. So in this series, we're going to cover seven things that Jesus has exampled for us. Seven things that he has authored in us. And then we're just going to talk how to walk them out. So we're pretty excited about it. So today, we're going to cover love. How Jesus loved us and how we are supposed to love. Um, we got a lot of verses. If, if you open up the book of John, the only time we're going to deviate from John is going to be to go to Romans 5. So, uh, so get comfortable in the book of John today. In order to be thorough in our understanding of Jesus' love. We're going to take a look at how Jesus loved the Father, how he loved his disciples, who he did life with, how he loved his followers, who he did life with, and how Jesus loved those who did not believe in him and did not follow him. So, how did Jesus love the Father? It's a much more complex answer than I can give with one word, but I'm going to throw out one word. He loved the Father deeply. 
There was nothing superficial about it. There was, there was nothing unknowing about it. There was nothing weak and passive about it. It was deep in every sense of the word. John 14, 28 says this. This is Jesus speaking. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Now what's amazing about this is, see, you and I can say this. You and I can say, the Father is greater than I. And we can say this because you and I know our frailty. You and I know our faults. You know the areas we fall short. You know the areas that we are weak. So we know where we are not great. And so when we look to the Father, we say, He is greater than I. But see, Jesus, when He says this, He's got a different perspective than you and I have. He doesn't come into the presence of the Father with the baggage of sin that you and I have. He goes into the uh, acknowledging the greatness of God being completely whole, completely sin-free, having complete communion with God. Imagine how amazing their times together must be. The Bible tells us that that Jesus got away. He got away to pray. He got away from it all to be in the presence of God. Imagine the times of affection. Imagine the times of sharing. Imagine the depth of their conversations. The love that Jesus has for the Father is deep. Jesus' love for the Father is honoring and it is reverent. We saw that he said there in verse 28, greater than I am. The Father is greater than I. You guys, there's supposed to be a deep humility. There's also a deep affection in the love that we have with the Father and the love that we have with the Son and the love that we have with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to love God with an honor and a depth and nothing passive or superficial about it. When we recognize God's greatness, when we recognize God's greatness, we plant ourselves in His presence and we just remain there. We're not supposed to leave it We're supposed to abide, to remain, to make our home in his presence. The love that Jesus had for his father was insightful. Now for us, there's there's mysteries in our faith. And it's even mysterious, you know, part of that mystery has been revealed in the fact that we are included in God's plan. Part of the mystery of our faith is that, that Jesus included us to represent him to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to know it. But think about the fact that that Jesus had total insight into the Father's heart. Total insight. There was no no mystery when it came to the Father and the Son. Jesus knew the heart of the Father. Jesus knew the plans of the Father. Jesus knew the ways of the Father. Everything Jesus did, it was because the Father first told him to do it. So it was a love that was insightful. 
Once again, guys, I think that speaks to depth and it speaks to to us having a hunger to go further in Him. It speaks contrary to just a religious act. We're not here today as a part of a religious act of obligation. We're here today because we we hunger for more of Him. We want to go deeper in Him. We want to know Him more. We want more of Him. We cry out, more, Lord, more. Lord, come. Lord, touch me. And we should. Jesus had a deep and accurate understanding of the reciprocal nature of the Father's love. Jesus, with total maturity, understood that every bit of the Father's love that he received, he was meant to pass on. He was meant to give away. He was meant to turn and bring it to a world that needed to know the love of the Father. A lot of times we, especially when we're hurting, you know, we, we, we're so hungry for the love of God. And we need to know that we receive that love, but then we're supposed to do something with it. And it's not just absorb it and keep it to ourselves. It's to absorb it and then share it with everyone else and understand that we're not going to run out. There's not a a, a flow that's going to end to that. We're going to constantly be filled with his love as we come to him, as we go deeper in him. But we're supposed to share it. And Jesus knew that. John 15, 9 through 10 says this, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. It's that reciprocal nature of his love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The love that Jesus showed to the Father was a love that demonstrated trust. It was a love that demonstrated obedience. It was a love that demonstrated reliance. Reliance upon God. When we think of Jesus and how strong he is, and he's our mighty conquering king, he was reliant. He was dependent. He needed the Father. And we need our God as well. Jesus loves the Father. Jesus receives the Father's love. Then Jesus loves others. And we have to have a deep understanding of this vital facet of God's love. It's not just for us. Receive it and then give it. Jesus knows the Father and he knows the Father's love. So how did Jesus love God the Father? Jesus had a great love for the Father that was deep, insightful, and intense. There was an intensity to that love. There's supposed to be an intensity to our love for the Lord as well. There's supposed to be passion. We're supposed to be intense. We're supposed to be passionate about Jesus. Intensity is a good thing. 
When I shake someone's hand, I don't care if it's a man or a woman or a child. I want intensity to our handshake. I want, want, yeah, that's good. I don't want, this is not an exaggeration. I went, and this is totally beside the point, but I think it's funny. I went to shake someone's hand recently and they got there before me and they got my hands. And so I grabbed their hand. I'm like, I'm sorry, I missed. Let's try this again. And then I brought the hands together and gave a good handshake. Because I'm like, there's got to be intensity to it. And I, I was just a little slow on the draw, I guess. I don't know. There's got to be a passion to what we're doing, guys. There's got to be a passion to what we're doing. And when we're talking about loving, loving God, yeah, it's supposed to be passionate. It can't be sacrificial if it's not passionate. And our love is supposed to be sacrificial. We're supposed to make it not about us, which is such a hard thing to grasp because, man, we make just most everything about us. And we're not supposed to make this about us. Our love is supposed to be sacrificial. There's supposed to be a sacrifice we make. We're supposed to be reliant and dependent upon God and trusting. And guys, we're we're never, it's a totally unfair exchange. We're never going to be left shorthanded because God's always going to pour out His love and goodness and faithfulness. He's always going to give us more than we give. But there has to be a sacrificial nature to our love. Why do I say that? Because we model Jesus and Jesus' whole life was about sacrifice for His love for the Father. Right? Let's go to one we know. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus knew the intensity of the Father's love for you and I. He didn't just know the intensity of the Father's love for him. He knew the intensity of the Father's love for us. So he obeyed. So he sacrificed. Jesus loves intensely. Let's look at John 10, 17 and 18. Kind of keeping in mind what we just read in John 3, 16 and 17. For this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I love the, the relationship that the Father and the Son have together. There's no mysteries. It's all laid out there. It's all laid out there, Son. This is what I'm asking of you. But I'm giving you authority. You, the Father gave the Son free will. We have free will. God doesn't treat us as robots. He's not going to impose His will upon us. He did the same thing with the Son. Son, this is what I need you to do. I need you to lay down your life. But, but you got you to do it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the authority to lay down your life. You're going to lay down your life. And I'm going to give you the authority to lay it down and I'm going to give you the authority to pick it back up again. Death will not have the final say. We will have the final say. How awesome is that? Again, this is deep stuff. And our love with God is supposed to be deep stuff. Sometimes that freaks us out a little bit. Can you guys just lock in with me for a second? Sometimes that freaks us out a little. 
Because it means we've got to be vulnerable and we've got to be real and we've got to be committed. And sometimes those things frighten us. Being loved deeply, being vulnerable, being real, being committed. We can't love deeply without these things, guys. We can't expect that, that, that we're going to walk into the deep places of God unless we're just committed to Him. That's how Jesus loved the Father. How did Jesus love His followers? How did Jesus love His disciples? You guys, we see them doing life together. And the love is real. And the love is authentic. And talk about vulnerable. Jesus was vulnerable and authentic and real. He walked with them. He talked with them. He laughed with them. He ate meals with them. He celebrated holidays with them. He gave them nicknames. He fished with them. He cried over them. He busted their chops. Jesus taught and corrected and instructed them, but never shamed them. He shared the Father's love with them. He gave gifts to them. And he included them in his mission. He did life with them. Jesus made it abundantly clear to them they were not the center of the universe. Jesus made it abundantly clear it's not about you. Now, the love we see that Jesus showed to them was really cool and really unique. And it's different than than that nature of the relationship we see with the Father. Because see, with the Father, we're talking about two people without sin. We're talking about two people without fault and their interaction. And now we see a type of love that Jesus shows with his disciples that from Jesus, without sin, without fault, to us, to flawed, stubborn, resistant, scared us. And he was candid with them, guys. It's a different aspect of love. Loving, absolutely. But man, it was talk about real. He, he was real. Jesus was real with them. He was candid and he was to the point and there's times he was abrasive and he was offensive. But he got down and dirty with them. He, he got into the work, included them in it, called them to it. And those that said yes and followed him, he challenged them. And it is described as love. This isn't the syrupy, sappy part of love. This wonderful. Maybe I shouldn't say that because that makes it sound like it's something. I, this isn't the precious moments doll. This is the G.I. Joe action figure with the kung fu grip. This is real. And he's not afraid to sharpen. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And he's not afraid to be a man with them. And he's not, a, and that even included with the women. He's not afraid to be strong. And he's also not afraid to be vulnerable.
John 13, 34 and 35 says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think that love that we're supposed to have for one another is all-encompassing. I think it's the sweet, I think it's the precious moments doll, and I think it's the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. I think it's both. I think it's everything. I think it's we're to do life with one another. We're to be real with one another. We're to be vulnerable with one another. We're to celebrate holidays together. We're to give each other nicknames. We're to bust chops. We're called to do life together. We're called to do this together. All the while, looking to Jesus, following His example, receiving the Father's love. Amen? Think about the fine print in this command. Think about this. This fine print moment. A new commandment I give to you. This is verse 34. Reading it again. That you love one another. Oh, we've heard that before. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Whoa. Oh, this is new. This is new. You see, in Leviticus 19.18, he gave a command that we are to love one another as what? As we love ourselves. That was, that was a commandment given in Leviticus. Love one another as you love yourselves. And now Jesus is saying, it is no longer good enough that you love someone as you love yourself. It's a new commandment I'm giving you. And there's a new standard that's been set. And you're to love one another as I have loved you. There's a new standard that's been set by Jesus Christ and it's the cross. It's the cross. It's sacrifice and obedience and power and life and love. And that's the new standard. And that is now how we measure love. And that is how we show love if we are obedient to what this new commandment is. Love. Now, here's the good news, guys. We get the Holy Spirit. We got the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us alone. Because see, without the Holy Spirit guiding us into the truth of how to love through the power of the cross, we can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit and with His strength and His guidance, He's a guide and He's a helper. With His help and with His guidance, we can walk this out. We can love fully. But there's a new standard, friends, and it's not just as you love yourself. I know, I know when I hit my threshold of pain. If I'm jogging, it's about a block and a half. <laughs> we all have our threshold of pain where we, we fall short because that's, we've got to love ourselves. You know, I've got to take care, take, take care of myself. I've hit my threshold of pain. Sometimes that, I'm talking about emotional pain more than the physical pain right now, just so we're clear. The emotional pain, hey, I've hit my threshold of pain and I'm stopping. This is, this is I'm just willing to go no further than this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Let me heal you. Let me remind you of my love. Come into the deep places who I am. You'll leave changed. 
You'll get, you'll get healed. You'll have hope. You'll have vision. I want to share with you my plan. I want to share with you my ways. There's going to be an intensity to it, but I'm not going to keep anything from you. I'm going to show it with you, but then I need you to love like I love. I need you to come out of my presence different than what you came in, and I need you to come willing to love in a sacrificial way. Love one another as I have loved you. Paul echoes this in Ephesians 5 when he tells husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave his life for her. There's a new way. There's a new standard. Jesus is sacrificial of love in going to the cross for us is the new standard. We see how Jesus loved. We see how we love. Jesus' love was a costly love. Jesus' love was a committed love. Jesus' love was a caring love. Jesus' love was a clearly visible love. You guys, we didn't have to guess at it. There were no fronts. There were no facades. You didn't have to guess at it. It was clearly obvious. Jesus included his disciples. He loved his disciples enough to include them. And he loves us enough to include us as well. The love that Jesus has for his followers has always been and always will be real and sincere. I want to say this. We don't have to be afraid of being real and sincere. No fronts or facades from us either. And what you see is what you get. I'm going to point you to Jesus. And I'm a flawed dude. You know, there's, Jesus wasn't flawed. His love is sincere and unflawed. But you know what? If I'm going to love like him, I've got to be willing to be vulnerable and real myself. And that means every now and then the ugly sides are going to be seen. But that's okay because love covers a multitude of sins. I don't have to be perfect. And I'm not. And I revel in that. Because there's times I'm not the perfect husband or the perfect father or the perfect pastor or the perfect friends or the perfect worker or the perfect whatever. That's the majority of the time. But I'm covered by his love. So how did Jesus love those who didn't believe in him? How did Jesus love those who did not believe in him. He loved them with open and powerful affection and with a love that was completely obvious. Romans 5, 6-8 says this, For while we were still, what? Sinners, weak, flawed, undeserving, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows us his love for us 
and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When it came to Christ showing love for those who didn't believe in him, he took no chances. He needed them to see. He loved them. He needed them to experience that he loved them. Not just hear about it. Because see, sometimes when we hear about things, things can get lost in the translation of, of something that was said. He needed them to see it. And not just the dying for them part. The raising from the dead part. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, he could have ascended and been gone and and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's not what he did. For 40 days, he stayed here on earth and he ate with people and he restored people and he visited with people and he called people and he recalled people. And he didn't just vanish. I heard, I heard Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, I don't believe it. Well, come on, just hang out with us. He's going to appear again. He's already shown up to us twice. He's going to appear again. Do you know that he showed up to religious leaders? Do you know that there's a book written by a religious, a Jewish religious leader that, that talked about, it's called the book of Josephus, or if you're from the South, the book of Josephus. You know, that sounds much cooler, Josephus. And it's it's a religious leader's account of the risen Jesus appearing to other people like outside of the disciples. Why? Because in his love for those who didn't know him and didn't believe and and didn't follow, they needed to see. Jesus loved unbelievers with action not just words so how do we love easy we follow his example it's before John 13:15 for i have given you an example that you also should do just as i have done for you But knowing how he loved is not enough. We have to do it, right? Knowing how he loved is not enough. We have to do it. So then in verse 17, he says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And how did Jesus love God the Father? Jesus had a great love for the Father that was deep and insightful and intense. And how did Jesus love his disciples and his followers and his brothers and his friends? Jesus did life with them. Jesus included them. Jesus was 100% real with them. And how did Jesus love those who did not believe in him? Jesus loved nothing to chance. He left nothing to misinterpret. It's openly it with them. He was displaying of his love for them. And he was decisive and conclusive in the, in the ways that he made his love obvious to them. So seeing these three ways of love examples for us, how do we love? Number one, 
Number one, we love with a profound love for God. Profound is described as this. It's defined as deep, great, insightful, and intense. A profound love for God. Two, a genuine love for his church. And genuine is defined as this, sincere and authentic. And three, a demonstrative love for his lost. Demonstrative is defined as openly displayed, unmistakably and conclusively made obvious. These three things are the pillars of Impact Rock Church. Everything we do, every event we plan, every ministry we have, every relationship we have has these things in mind. We go deeper with God. Our love is not supposed to be superficial, but deep and profound. We're supposed to be genuine with one another. We're supposed to do life together. We're supposed to be real and honest. And we're supposed to include one another. And we're supposed to point people to Jesus and love on him with a love that's more sincere than ours because it just is from God. And we're supposed to demonstrate God's love to the lost. Friends, words will never suffice in talking to a, a lost and hurting people about the love of God. It has to be backed up by action. As a matter of fact, it has to be led by action. Yeah. It has to be demonstrated and obvious. And if they don't know Jesus, they can be found. If they're lost, they can be found. And we have to demonstrate that love. These three things are the pillars at IRC. Love is indeed the culture of Impact Rock Church. But more than that, love is the culture of Christ.